0: I greet each one in the name of Jesus this morning a welcome to the visitors that are here God bless you and welcome it's always such a, a joy to have visitors and you enrich our lives and we our prayer is that we're also a blessing in your life I want to say it's good to be back I'll just say this before we get started it's good to be back last Sunday I shared a little bit on Wednesday to those that were there, but we were out last Sunday at uh, St. Louis with Brother Leslie and his family. There was I keep having to count this up in my mind I think there was nine from St. Louis that were there, and then uh, four from his family and 10 from here. So uh, our family and two other young men, John and Jonathan, went with us. It was a blessing. I, uh, I'm excited about what's happening out there, and I hope that some of the rest of yous can get to experience that. And so as, we, as they continue to go forward, as they continue to seek God's direction, they're praying for a building. They did not go to the park because they haven't started doing that yet this summer, as yeah, or this year yet. As it warms up, he said once it gets above 70, they start to go out to the park and, and uh, to be there. So we were at the peace house that he was talking about, and it was quite full. So they are praying for a church building to be able to find there in St. Louis to meet in or a larger building. So you can add that to your prayer list there too, but also for the work as it goes on. There's many needs, and uh, it's certainly an opportunity. So excited for that. I think before we get started, Brother Leon, would you just pray for us as we get started here? Dear Lord, it's just come before you this morning, I ask you, just be with mm-hmm. Brother Marcus the shares, Lord, and that uh, it can come from you, Lord, and that we, as mm-hmm. a uh, congregation, can have our hearts open, that we can be like a sponge, mm-hmm. just soak it in, and to dwell on it, that we can also remember it throughout the week, Lord, just ask you, to uh, just go with us today, help us to uh, be following you, help mm-hmm. us to go where you lead us, Lord, Just ask you to also be there with us lastly this morning. Amen. Yes, Father. And also for the persecuted church that is where they are meeting this morning. Amen. May May you just bless them. Also ask you to be with the Christians there in the earthquake or in Syria. Amen. Yes, God. That's right. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother, for that. You may turn your Bibles to Philippians 3. I asked the question to myself, can can you share a message on something that you feel like you're growing so much and learning so much on? I've been thinking a lot here in the last number of weeks about a vision statement, a mission statement. You say, well, what's the difference? There are differences in that. But... uh, I was thinking quite a bit about that, and as I was looking at Philippians 3 one day, I was reading through it a number of times, and it suddenly dawned on me that Philippians 3 is quite a vision statement. It is, and I was going to look at this in that light, as we consider the fact of a vision statement. And I would like to give the title of the message here this morning, Five Reasons why we, why you, should have a written vision statement. Now I said this is something that the Lord has been working on my heart. Those of you who were up for some of the evenings at Harvest there, where Chester Weaver was sharing, he was sharing on the disciplines. And if you were there, one evening he spent a section of time, actually a a bit of a section of time, talking about the spiritual discipline of journaling. Now you might think, well, what, what's a spiritual discipline about journaling? Well, if you really consider what that is, it's simply writing down, writing down. There's a discipline in writing. And yet there's such a beautiful thing that happens when we write. Some of you girls maybe keep diaries, and maybe some of you boys keep journals or diaries you can call them what you want they that can be a little different of just writing down your thoughts how you feel about things what happened that day journaling can be a similar exercise of where on a maybe not even a daily uh aspect you write down what the lord's doing and maybe answered prayers brother josh shared about can i share that about the blessing it was even in a prayer journal And uh, he had actually asked for a raise of hands of everybody that kept a journal or a diary. And uh, and there was a number. Brother Diedrich gave us this poem now. Now, why do we have this here? Is it because he was such a powerful speaker? Is it because he made all of his children, his students, I don't know much about this man. (laughs) I don't know anything about this man, but he wrote this down somebody wrote this down and you know all of history that we have is because somebody wrote it down brother Dietrich was sharing about the uh the uh the monks what did they preserve they preserved writings valuable writings we say why are they valuable i mean it's just history right But there's so much value in history. There's so much value in the things that we write down. And it's so easy to think that, well, what's my life? I mean, everybody knows what's happening in my life, right? Like, why would I write down what's happening in my life? Why would I write down things that I have maybe even as goals? And as we're going to look at this as a mission or a vision statement in our own lives. Why would we write these things down? So I've been being challenged in this. And I've been challenged with the fact that I need to write more things down because of various reasons. And we're going to see some of these reasons here in Philippians 3 as we go on. I had a brother recently ask me, where are you going? Where are we going? Who are we? And we may ask the question, Brother Josh, who are you? Um, it's all right. I'm sorry. A man, a husband, a father, a Christian. Amen. Uh, from Missouri, in the forties. I'm sort of what age? Exactly forty, but uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think, does that or does that, that I, I appreciate that, but you, you identify who you are. So many times we we ask the question. And we can i can ask the question to myself who am i who am i do i know who i am is that settled in my heart yes we can say a lot of things you know and and it's fine i i didn't care what you answered necessarily but you know if you were to sit down and you're to write and i actually did this exercise just sit down and write who you are Amen. you know as a child of god what is our vision statement I also have been impressed. My father wrote a book, more of a history book, in, about his grandfather. And in the back he wrote, and this was a number of years ago, but he wrote, as time is passing, you realize that the only thing, or that one of the things that you can give to the coming generations is things you write down. And every one of us, I think every one of us as fathers, have a desire that the faith that we have in Jesus Christ would be passed down. But how are we going to pass that down? Yes, it's by living a life. Yes, it's by practically teaching. But I think an area that we are missing, and I am missing in my life, is writing things down. Writing things to the coming generations. So, it's out of that burden that God has been working in my heart to write more things down, and it's out of that perspective that I'm going to look here at Philippians 3. This was a letter, again, that Paul had written to the church of Philippi. And he starts this letter, and we're going to read through this letter. He start, and then we're going to look at several points that uh, I believe bring out a part, uh, in part, the importance of Paul's vision and what he wrote here to the Church of Philippi. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. And I just love the way Paul does that. He's like, hey, at the end, after everything, remember this, rejoice in the Lord. Amen. Have joy in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. It's your strength. To write the same things to you, to me, is not, indeed is not grievous, but to you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath wherein he might trust in the flesh, I more, Paul says, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Circum- no, I'm sorry. But what things were gained were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things, but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. if by any means I might obtain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already obtained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything, ye be otherwise minded. God shall reveal this even unto you. Nevertheless, whereunto we have already obtained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together in me, and mark them which walk as you have for an example, have us for example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, and who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Amen. I think one of the reasons, and as I was describing a little bit, writing down a personal vision, and this applies in every aspect and we talk about businesses we know that for businesses to be successful they need to have a vision statement they need to have something that this is what we're about uh bill gates said i think it was back in 1995 to microsoft he said his vision is for a computer on every desk in every home and you know they've done well And many homes, many desks would have availability of more than one. So why do we have a vision statement? I'm going to look at five different reasons that I believe that this scripture here in Philippians 3 gives that we should have a vision statement. Personally, in our lives, corporately as a church, and and, uh, as a brotherhood. And that is in verse 3. A vision statement gives you a personal identity. I ask the question: who are you? Do you know who you are? Do we know who we are as a church? Do you know who you are as a family? Do you have an identity? Paul here in verse 3 says, For we, himself, and the brothers at Philippi, we are the circumcision, which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Paul here was identifying who he was. Now, this is covenant language here as you look at this. He said, we are the covenant people. We're the real deal. We're the special people. We're... We're really who is important here. I believe he was saying. He says we are the real deal. Paul wasn't ashamed of who he was identifying with. Paul wasn't ashamed on the fact that he said we are the real thing. Amen. And he also identified with the fact that our mission, his mission, our mission is to worship God in spirit and to rejoice in Christ Jesus and to have no confidence in the flesh. Paul could have looked to a lot of things in his past as his identity. He could have looked at how, and he gives a whole list of the things that he gives as identity points that he could have claimed. Some of us here are first generation Christians. Some of us, we can go back years and years and years my my grandfather several times back in 1717 came to America. Why, to why? He wrote it on a plaque, so now I know why he came. They made it. They they put it on a plaque that they came for religious freedom. They came to escape the persecution back in 1717, and they came. Does that make Me any better than anyone else in this room? Absolutely not. The ball is my court now. How will I pass this on to the generations that come behind me? How will I stand in the gap that God has given me to be faithful And it doesn't matter what you have? It doesn't matter if you have criteria like Paul did here. A whole list. There was the Judaizers. that were trying to convince people, look, you need the law plus faith in Jesus. You need faith in Jesus, but you need the law. If you remember here a few months back, while the last message that Brother Dale gets shared here, what was it on? Circumcision of the heart. It was on the circumcision of the heart. Paul is here saying, this is the real deal. It's the circumcision of the heart. It's not an outward fit, uh, circumcision that he is talking about, but it's a circumcision of the heart. <clears throat> I believe number two, having a written mission statement or vision statement. I'm going to use those words interchangeably, they are different, but the one has more, vision statement has more to do with what your goals and what your values and who you are. A mission statement has more to do with what the purpose of why you're here. And while they're two different, I'm looking at them as similar in that. So uh, bear with me as we (laughs) we do that. I believe the second reason is it provides a protection from the distractions that we face. And we're going to see this in verse 2. Paul says, beware of dogs. Now, I'd just like to think, what's he talking about? Beware of dogs. We see huh? We, see the <laughs> we do. Why? Why would we beware of a dog? Now, now, I don't think America does very good at describing the type of dogs that they were thinking of. I mean, we have kind of a uh we have a really warped idea of what a real a real dog is a wild dog have you ever watched if you've ever watched any uh any uh videos of uh the wild dogs in africa i think gives you a little bit of a, the height hy- not the hyenas, what are they called uh those little wild dogs they're the colored african dogs you know, yeah yeah, that's that's a, that's a them. But they're not like the puppies that we have that are sold online to take the place of your children. What, what's the nature of a dog? Just tell me, what's the nature of this kind of a dog? What, what? Give me some of the characteristics of it. They're they're yappy. Well, that's these little dogs. I'm talking about the real dogs. They are. They are vicious, extremely vicious. In fact, I was doing some research on it and I found it's so interesting. You know, most of the wild animals in Africa, the, the prey, the, the predator animals, they attack and they kill. Their number one mission is to kill the animal that they're getting. Dogs don't worry about that. They just start eating. They disembowel animals while they're still alive and they have mostly, they have eaten quite a bit before the animal ever dies. Ruthless, just fierce. And yes, like you said, when they're in a pack, they can take down almost any, any animal that is in an African Sahara Desert. And we can talk huge, huge animals, even elephants, they can take those down. So what are some more characteristics of a dog that he's talking about? And now he's talking about people. He's not saying just be, but I'm 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 drawing this as a parallel. Brothers, we can be this way to each other. We can be this way. We can get in a pack, and in a hurt, and in a, in a pack mentality, and tear after people. What's some other ones? Looking out for yourself. They're looking out for themselves. Yes, they are. They're looking out for themselves. Just. It's what I can eat. It's satisfying my hungry. What, what's some more? What does Jesus say about the wolf that comes? The thief, the wolf, he, he uses that in the, 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 uh, the story of the good shepherd. He comes, divides, separates. That's the way these little dogs do it. There's a lot of them, but they separate one out. They separate one of the sick ones, one of the old ones, one of the young ones. And they separate those out, and then they attack them ruthlessly, wearing them out. And he's talking about, you beware of people like this. And then I understand that he's talking about maybe primarily the Judaizer people, but I'd like to just bring this really, really practical. What is he talking about, and what kind of people is he talking about? And do we understand and recognize or are we recognizing these things even in our own hearts thank you Um, beware of beware of evil men evil workers beware of evil workers beware of the concision we talked about circumcision. What is the concision? Does anybody know what concision is? Yeah. Against cutting. They were people that were, they didn't want to be circumcised in their heart. They were against this thing of going the whole way. They were, they, they, were, they were, they were fine with this concept of, well, you can chop away at the flesh. You can chop away and you can kind of keep it in check. You can restrict it and you can keep it bound. But to cut the flesh off? No, they were against that. And that's what Paul was saying as he was looking and he was describing these people. These people don't want the circumcision. They don't want this true circumcision of the heart where it's all the flesh is done away with and cut off and killed. They want to keep it in check. They're against the full cutting. You may turn your Bible over to Isaiah. I'd like to just read Isaiah. Actually, I should have read this when we were talking about dogs. Isaiah, in the book of the day, Isaiah 56, God is describing the Watchmen and the pastors, I believe here, as dogs. In verse, I'm going to start reading in verse nine, "All ye beasts of the field come devour. Yea, yea, all ye beasts of the, in the forest. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Most of you are here when Brother Daniel Kennison stopped by. Remember what he preached on? The watchman on the wall, right? And he was giving his perspective as a watchman on the wall. What are what, and, and from that and from what you understand, what are some things that a watchman must be able to do? See. He must be able to see. God is saying about the watchmen, they're blind. What's good, what good is a watchman that is blind? Nothing. What's another thing that a watchman must be able to do? Speak. He must be able to speak. Right. Yes. They're dumb dogs, he says. They're just dumb dogs. They're, that means they can't speak, they can't talk. What's another thing? Because a watchman, if he sees danger, he has to be able to alert the people. What's another thing that the watchman needs to be able to do? He needs to be able to hear. What's another thing? Very good. He needs to stay awake. These these people, these watchmen, they love to slumber. Did you have another one or was that it? He needs to be smart. He needs to be able to look out in the distance and say, you know, I don't think that's an enemy coming at that dust cloud or is that just a farmer plowing? You know, he needs to be able to discern what that is. Or maybe it's just a trade caravan coming. Because if he's not smart, if he's ignorant, he might sound the alarm and they slam the gate shut on a caravan that's coming. Or they might think, yeah, it's nothing to worry about. No, and here comes the enemy and it's too late. Verse 11. Yea, they are greedy dogs, which can never have enough. They are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look at their own way, everyone for his gain, from his quarter. Come ye and say, I will fetch wine, and I will fill ourselves with strong drink. I will fill, and we will fill ourselves with strong drink and tomorrow for to, and tomorrow shall be as this day, and much more abundant. They are selfish, self-centered self-willed, worried about their own self, their own uh, desires, their own, uh, what they can get out of, and they say, look, tomorrow's only going to get better. The future's bright. It's only going to get better from now on. Let's look at another destruction. And as we have a written, I'm um, going to keep using that word as we have that, a written vision statement and keeping us from distractions. The reason I'm looking at these distractions is I believe Paul is giving this to these people, There's distractions. We go down into the end of this chapter in verse 18. And Paul and 19, I'm going to read those verses. For many walk of whom I've told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. This is another distraction. This is talking, I believe, can be part of the scission. You know, they're enemies of the true cross of Christ. There's a lot of people today that don't mind if you say you're a Christian. But don't tell me how to live and don't get too radical yourself and don't tell me that it's going to cost me everything don't tell me that if i'm going to be a christian and have this security in my life that i'm saved that i'm going to have to give up everything i'm going to have to lay it all on the altar don't tell me that they're enemies of the cross of christ and then let's look at how Paul describes them. Whose end is destruction? Whose God is their belly? Appetites are powerful things. Somebody, Brother Leon, just shared about that. Is it something in my own life I've been just endeavoring to deal with? And yesterday, of all times, I, I, uh, we, we had uh, a good meal, and I was like, you know, I was, I still wanted some more, and I, uh, I was like, you know, and all of a sudden I was like, yeah, I want that. And I went to breach for it and maybe I think it was spirit. Just, I just like, no, that thing's controlling you. You don't need another one. You don't need to take that. That's not going to make you happy. That's not going to give you fulfillment in life. And yet there's a, there's a drive sometimes in our lives to like, well, I need that. I want that. I'm so used to doing that. Appetite, appetite can be a lot of things. What else can appetites be? We have appetites for a lot of things. There's food, that's right. We have appetites for food in our lives. But there's other things, what are they? I want to buy that thing, I, want to buy that thing. I and, and it's so easy. It's so easy. We want to buy that thing now. You just click, add to cart, pay now, and there's no pain. Yes? Hear a lot of, uh, music and stuff. Appetite appetite. Oh, it over. Music, yes. Anything else? I always happen to have something making noise. Noise, you hop in a vehicle, you have to I'll tell you one of the best way to secure that is get something that doesn't have a player in it, or it's broke. <laughs> you uh, resistant. It. Resist it. You're right. What's some other things we can have appetites for yeah. that entertainment, always pulling for our fun, entertainment, got to do something, sit down. I'm bored. Right? Immediately. No, you're not bored. You just sat down. Money. Money. Thank you. Who was it? Was it Rockefeller That was asked one time, what it would what it would take to make him happy? Am I wrong in this? Yeah, and he said one more dollar. Who said that? Who said that? Okay, I'm sorry. I better not put myself out there. One more dollar. No, it won't make you happy. Whose God is their belly, whose God is their appetite, whose God is driven by their desires and their appetite, and whose glory is their shame. As I consider what is glorying and shame, did you have something, brother? Yes. He said, "You are bored. No, you're not bored. Yes, you are bored, but nonetheless, not with God. God's not you. Don't get out your phone. Pray. Thank you. Sometimes we have so much noise we never ever hear God speaking, and it's because we've never gotten quiet enough to hear Him speak. That's right. Thank you glory in shame we can glory in shame today and I tremble sometimes thinking about us Christians do we glory in shame how are some ways that we can glory in shame yeah, I and mean, how how could we glory in shame You're saying, um, as we, are you saying in the positive? Right? I in a negative, in a negative. This is all negative here in this context. You know, the God is their belly, the glory and shame. All oh, that way. Okay. That way. Yeah, it, that's fine. I think one of the ways that we can do it is the way we talk about disobedience to law. And do you brag about what you just did? How fast you just went? Do you despise the law? Do you laugh at crude jokes? Or send them around because, well, they are kind of funny. No, they're not. Glory and shame, things that are shameful in this to God, let it always shame us. If it's shameful to God, if God says He despises us, let us always keep a keen hatred for those things Who mind earthly things? I think we can mind earthly things so easily. What do we talk about so easy? It's earthly things. Did you have something you wanted to say? Yes, go ahead. This verse, this is the verse that you just read. Their future is eternal loss, for their God is their appetite. They are proud of what they should be ashamed of. And all they think about is this life here on earth. Amen. 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 Yeah. Amen. And the uh, the horribleness of what they even call the pride movement. You know, why do they call it that? It's because they're proud about evil. They're proud about sin. And this is something that, but as Christians, they think only about earthly things. What is the last thing you think about when you go to bed? The first thing you think about when you wake up? Maybe could be an indicator on what you think about most of the day. And by the way, mothers, thinking about your children is not just earthly. That can be a very, very spiritual exercise. And caring for your children and thinking about them. All right. need to keep moving. Number three. So number two was, it gives us a protection from distractions. And as we looked at those distractions. Number three, it gives us, it provides a point, a perspective. That's how I'm going to say it. It provides a perspective. And I would like to look here in verse 12. As we consider this, I'm going to read verse 12 through 14. And this is Paul's evaluation of himself. And how did he get this evaluation of himself? It's because he was comparing himself with his goal. And how did he have a goal? It's because he's writing about his goal. He's writing about where he was going with this thing. Not as though it had already obtained. Either were already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count myself not... to have uh, have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. One of the things of writing things down in our lives, and I'm seeing this in my own life, is it gives me a perspective where I am and where my goal is. Paul was honest with the fact, I haven't gotten there. I, I'm, work, I, I'm, I'm going that direction. That's my goal. That's where I'm heading. But he's like, I, I, I haven't made it to the end. I haven't made it to the end. And I just quickly like to flip over just back a couple chapters into 1 Corinthians 9. And we have another, Paul draw, draws another very, very beautiful parallel here between running a race. And actually, that brings me to my fourth point, which is very, very similar. But having a written, having a written statement in our lives helps us keep our focal point in view. And as, I, as we read this, think about what Paul's focal point here was. And I'd like for you to tell me what it is after we read through this passage. Starting in verse 19, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself... A servant unto all that I might gain the more. And unto the Jew I became a Jew, and that I may gain the Jews, and unto them that are under the law, as under the law, that I may gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without the law, being not being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak became I weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run, that ye may obtain, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things, that, they may, that now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we, an incorruptible I therefore so run not as uncertainty so beat I fight I not as one that beateth the air but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection that by any means that I, after when I have preached unto others I myself might be a castaway I see two focal points that Paul has in here did you catch what they were somebody to save some. That was one. What was the other one? Keep his body in subjection. And so why? So that he himself would be found faithful and make it to the end. <clears throat> I think it's so beautiful. Paul, the price he paid. Why? To save some. <clears throat> he wasn't get we aren't, we aren't guaranteed on what kind of a harvest we're going to get. But is our goal, is our desire that some would be saved, that some would find their, their uh, freedom in Christ and come to a saving knowledge of Him. <laughs> His focal point, as we just read back in Philippians 3, verse 10 is another one. He says that I may know Him. What drives your life? Is it that you may know Christ? That I may know him. I want to know Christ in my life. I want to know Christ. I want to know his righteousness. I want to know the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. Are you serious? You want to know the fellowship of his suffering? You know what Christ suffered. You know how he was mistreated, misaligned of men. Is that your desire? So much to know Christ, to know his, the fellowship of his suffering, to know and to experience. Paul says, this is part of my desire, that I can experience these things. We, in America, we don't really understand enough about that, I don't believe. And then he says... In verse 14, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He had a very, very centered bullseye focus on what he was going after. The high calling of Christ Jesus. The holiness, the righteousness. As it says in another scripture, be perfect for your Father in heaven is perfect. That was his goal. That was what he was striving for. And lastly... I would like to say, it provides a plan for you and for others to follow. And I would like to see that down in verses, verses 15. Let us therefore... As many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this to you, unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we, where, where we have already obtained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk as we have us for an example I believe that, I'm sorry, I was going to start reading verse 15. I, I don't think I read. Yes, it, I, I did read verse 15, I believe. So I believe that one of the other blessings of writing things down is it gives us a plan. It gives us a plan on How we're going to order our lives, but it also gives us a plan that we can walk with others. Paul was writing this letter to the Philippians, and he said, If you're perfect, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. He said, Let's walk by the same rule, let's mind the same thing, let's follow after these things. Paul, in his vision statement, said where he was going. And he said, brothers, you come along. Let's walk at this thing together. Let's, let's pursue, let's encourage and exhort and challenge one another on in this goal. So I believe having a written statement in our lives, and even as a fellowship, helps to give us direction and also helps to bring our brotherhood along, our brothers that we relate to. One of the things that it does not do, and that is not having a written statement, does not define that you're the only right person. And I think, I I, want to just, I, I don't think I'm stretching the scripture to say that, but he says in verse 15, he says, If any be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this unto you. The fact of writing a personal written vision statement for yourself, is not to say that everybody that does it any different is wrong we're not to judge we don't have to do that neither even as a group do we have to come up with a statement or a vision that is the only one out there I think more more of the challenge for us is do we have one and are we following it do we have that in our own personal life are we writing down what our vision statement in our family and our life personally corporately are we, are we are we writing these things down so I would just like to challenge each one of us in that I've been really challenged in my own personal life on these things and uh, want to take action in in being more of a writer in that way I believe it is in Psalms it is in the Old Testament where it talks about a book of remembrance was written you have history that you're writing down and if you're writing it down it may be kept but if you don't write it down each passing generation the things they know the things they learned will be lost so let's write down the the good things that God has done may the Lord bless you Okay.